live from an undisclosed location. You are now tuned in to the Xander Effect with host Xander Dane. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Xander Effect. I'm your host, Xander Dames, alongside with uh, my co-host, actor Jeremy Miller. Jeremy, how you doing today? What's up, my fellow degenerates? <laughs> yes, we certainly we certainly are. And you are now joining us in the Xander Effect, the place, the number one place, and pretty much the only podcast that uh, showcases up-and-coming artists musically and gives you the best in entertainment, sports, and video games. And talking about entertainment, uh, topics so far. The first, uh, one of the topics I want to go ahead and talk about in a little bit here is the fact that uh, Britney Spears is uh, asking the judge to remove her father, Jamie Spears, as sole conservator of her estate and everything else. So we'll talk a little bit about that. In sports, the national anthem NASCAR car was uh, stolen from a Cracker Barrel in Georgia. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And in video game news jurassic world gets a dlc in minecraft so we'll talk a little bit about that about that plus we have a special guest uh actor actor and author and producer sean kanan uh joins the xander effect and talks a little bit about uh what he's got going on uh the his uh series on amazon called studio city amazing series by the way and uh what he's got planned for the future but first here is lifelines she's the one right here on the Xander Effect. Yeah. 
This is Jason, and you're listening to the Xander Effect. Why don't you guys tune in and tap in for me one time? new court docs uh, spelling out Britney's wishes that she wants uh, Jody Montgomery to or she strongly prefers Jody Montgomery to go ahead and uh, be the permanent conservator over her regular person she uh, wants Jamie Spears to stop being the sole conservator of her estate now this is this is a this is a topic that many of her fans have been fighting for they've started the new or, or the the trend and the movement uh, the hashtag free Britney uh, movement and because they, they all feel that Britney has been pretty much 
I don't know. She's been she's been under a major control. I mean, they tell her how to dress. They tell her what to eat. They tell her where to go, uh, what to wear, how to spend her money. Like she's literally has no control over her own person. I mean, granted, you know, I mean, she's got mental issues and everything, but that's that's a little ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Jeremy, as, a, as an actor, I mean, what do you what do you think when it comes to this type of this type of action? I mean, having a conservator pretty much telling you what to do and what to wear and as a you know as an adult well considering i spent my whole childhood like that it's not a fun thing and i couldn't imagine doing it as an adult but uh you know we don't know the story and that's the truth all we know is what the you know the rags tell us and the media and everything else and it's never the whole story so who knows what she's dealing with? Do I like the idea? No, I don't. I've always thought that a conservatorship should be, you know, a group of family so that it's not one person deciding, you know, everything for someone. I, I think uh, motives can be questionable for that kind of situation. Right. I've, I've always believed that kind of thing should be handled by a group of people. And you know? and and I, and I agree with you with that. It's just it's just so eerie to know that you know that someone has control over what you earned yourself. Her her issue stems deeper. Her issue is more of a mental issue. Uh, she's got she's got serious mental issues. Uh, I mean, obviously, we all know the, the the meltdown she had a few years ago when she shaved her head off and she attacked paparazzi with an umbrella. I mean, it, it all stemmed from there. Like she had a complete breakdown and that that had to do with I, I think she's I think she's by she has bipolar disorder I think it is yeah I, I think I think it's because of that that people are you know her family are afraid to allow her to make decisions on her own because this you know she's not stable enough to make decisions for herself uh, I I can comment on this a little from another side I had a friend who I went to high school with who was a trust fund baby um, his father owned a major company and he had um, bipolar disorder uh, as well as a couple of other things as well, dual diagnosis. And because of the fortune that was left to him, his father died just before he graduated. He was put under a conservatorship because of his mental issues and they were leaving him some ridiculous sum of money. Um, that money was put under a conservatorship and for the first 15 or so years because he was often on his meds and there was all sorts of issues he was still under that conservatorship but he was after years of being on his meds and staying on the straight and narrow and getting his act together he was able to get out from under that to a degree so it is possible um i believe it's a very long process but it is possible for her to come out of this if she shows she's capable if she shows mental capacity for taking care of herself well let's let i mean you know only at this point only time will tell because i mean so far she's had she's had uh jamie take care of all her all her um you know all her affairs uh since her breakdown and it hasn't changed uh but apparently uh, many people are, are are you know close to her are reporting that jamie is kind of he's kind of going a little overboard and taking advantage of the situation too much 
bitch. So that's, I mean, if she's asking for Jamie to stop being the sole uh, conservator of, of, of her estate, there's got to be a reason why. There's got to be a reason why she doesn't feel comfortable with her father, uh, you know, handling her affairs uh, by himself. And like you said, Jeremy, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it should be a group effort type of situation, not, not one person. Cause that's too much power for one person to have over another. I think I, I would agree. I mean, like I said, I think the motives can be questionable when it's just one person. Um, like I said, I don't know her father. I have no idea the situation. And again, we're dealing with a person who is dealing with some mental issues who may or may not be mentally unstable while trying to make this decision. So, you know, if she's got her capabilities and her faculties and she realizes, no, this is too extreme and I'm trying to make it an effort here, then, you know, I, w I would definitely support her in it. But again, we don't know where she's at at the moment. We don't know what's going on. I just think that, um, that, uh, you know, it's, it is, it is too much power. It is way too much power. And, I just I hope that she definitely gets well so far it seems like she's I don't know man like she's been posting TikTok videos that pretty much depict her having another breakdown I mean so many people have been looking at her videos and they're like they're like what's wrong with her I mean it's been it's been it's been very eerie what's been going on with her but who knows hopefully uh hopefully she'll start you know after this uh this decision that she decided to make maybe it's the stress of having her father you know uh having this kind of power it's over her and the fact of the matter that her father is has has conservatorship over her soul conservatorship over her could be adding to the stress which could trigger another breakdown in my opinion that could be a trigger to another breakdown in other entertainment news uh, the exorcist reportedly getting a 2021 reboot this is what's funny about that morgan creek entertainment is actually the one the the production company that's going to be taking uh the this reboot and uh, they're gearing up for a theatrical reboot uh, to hit theaters in 2021 so they're on a little bit of a of a, of a, of a time constraint here I don't mind a reboot I do not mind redoing a film but don't touch the classics when a I film agree. was yeah, done so yeah. perfectly it does not need to be redone it I'm sorry it doesn't this is what else can they bring to it what did what did they leave out that you're gonna bring to this brilliant classic horror film irony of ironies morgan creek actually they, they found a tweet uh that morgan uh creek uh, tweeted back in back back in september 28 2015 and it said quote for the record we will never attempt to remake the exorcist and here they are remaking it for 2021 i mean what's the explanation with that i mean why would they go ahead and say they weren't and suddenly they were i mean could it be because they're you know they need it for financial purposes to go ahead and make a little money because maybe they they're, they're suffering, you know, economically. I mean, could that be one of the reasons? Well, I think economics is always one of the reasons. And I, unfortunately, I hate to be this way about it, but people are running out of ideas. And it seems like the, the big companies, they just they don't have anything new. So, so that's what, so. So exactly. So you're going to go ahead and piss on a film by doing a remake 
at the, a, re, a remake of a film that there was literally blood, sweat, and tears on set. I mean, I, I, I gotta agree with you guys. I mean, the, doing remakes, leave them alone. Leave the remakes, leave the reboots alone, please. Start coming up with original ideas for the love of all that's holy. Because seriously, this is getting ridiculous. I mean, every and, and, and don't get me wrong, there's some movies that I'm okay with uh, a reboot because from a, from a cinematic point of view, from a, from a, from an artistic point of view, having an awesome remake of a movie that didn't have the technology that it had back then, and remaking it now for the technology that we have now would be really cool. There's certain movies that are actually really cool to go ahead and do that. Absolutely, there are a lot of movies that maybe missed the mark because of what they weren't able to deliver at that time. I think that's a brilliant time to reboot something. Somebody had a brilliant idea but couldn't quite deliver what you wanted from it because of whatever restrictions at the time. That's probably the only good reason to do a reboot, in my opinion. I mean, I like the fact of the matter that they're actually going to, I mean, with Ghostbusters, that was, oh God, when they remade that, I was so upset, you know, because it's like, dude, leave it alone. My thing is, leave a, leave, leave a classic like that alone. It didn't do well at the box office. Now, you have, um, you have uh, uh, that they're going to go ahead and do the continuation of, uh, of Ghostbusters. That one, I can actually be okay with because this is, this is a continuation of it. A continuation is not a reboot. And I don't exactly. mind that if they do it right with Correct. the story. If they That's come up with something with that. original, absolutely. Yeah. That's. But can they deliver on that? Taking a, you know, it's been a great idea. Some people have done it successfully, but taking older characters, taking a storyline from 20, 30 years ago and continuing that, it's been 50-50 at best whether it has worked out or not on the story they're now delivering. So you got to bring a lot to the table if you're doing that, but I think that's the only other viable option for doing a reboot. I mean, you know, with the Ghostbusters reboot, the casting was fantastic, but the writing was off. You know, same thing with Ocean's, what, 9 or whatever with Sandra Bullock. The casting was amazing. But I just think that the writing with the story, everything was already overplayed and, and it was just off. They should have just created something completely separate. I mean, still like it's almost like a spinoff. They should have done kind of like a spinoff of it, you know, not 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 try to like, you know, redo it from the very beginning or something like that. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think from a writing standpoint, that is easier to put together something that fans and you know the audience will connect with i think trying to do the same thing you writers i think feel tied to put a lot of the same type of jokes in or the same moments or the same whatever and again you're just rehashing stuff it's not new it's not creative and it doesn't connect with the fan base for the most part they were trying to reboot back to the future with the rock and, oh hell no, 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 no. um yeah it was going to be The Rock, and I can't even remember who was supposed to play Michael J. Fox's character. But yeah, I mean, this is what they're. This is what we've come to in Hollywood at the moment. Well, you know what they're rebooting next, uh, starring Will Smith, uh, and uh, starring Will Smith and Kevin Hart. Planes, trains, and automobiles. I think as a buddy comedy, that kind of thing can be redone in a fun yeah. way if they do it right. 
We'll see what happens. I mean, you know, honestly, it's just there's just so like like you said, Jeremy, there's just so many reboots that need to stop being rebooted because it's just it's just too much. It's just way too much. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm over the reboots, to be honest. I need something a little bit more original these days. So um, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with this reboot, because, I mean, they have a very limited of time amount of time to do, like I said, to do the casting location, everything. So it might end up being a straight to straight to streaming service movie. I would have to say I can't say straight to, uh, to TV anymore because nobody really watches television. They only watch streaming services now. So I think that's what's going to end up happening. It might go straight into like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or something like that. That's that's my opinion. But we'll see what happens in other entertainment news. Stacy Dash's estranged husband says that he was hypnotized into marrying her. Apparently, uh, uh, Jeffrey Marty is filing a new court docs uh, in response to Stacy's divorce petition because she's perfectly fine with the with the with the divorce and looks like she's perfectly fine with the uh, the the marriage being annulled actually at this point and he's saying he claims that he only took uh, he says uh, basically that he only took his vows after Stacy's pastor put some sort of uh, religious pressure on him and that he quote unexpectedly and suddenly proclaimed that it was God God's will. That's what the that's what uh, Stacy's pastor said, and he used some sort of quote hypnotic prayer techniques. Really? <laughs> that's what he claims in his court dogs. That's what he freaking claims. It's amazing. On on top of that, I'm sorry, but even hypnotists will tell you that hypnotism doesn't work unless you believe in it in the first place. And she's, and dude, that, that I swear, she never ages. She looks exactly the same. And she's and she's still dropped at gorgeous. That that woman is still freaking gorgeous. And I'm just like, dude, why would you want to divorce her to begin with? Like, seriously. I mean, but then again, it was Stacy that that, uh, that started the, the petition. So, I mean, maybe she maybe she was the one that was maybe she should have said, no, you're the one that hypnotized me. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I don't know. It's that that to me, it's a very strange situation. It's a crazy situation. So I don't know. I don't know what that's. I, I, I don't know. Stacy's had I think she's had a pretty rocky time as far as relationships go. Hey, man, relationships are hard in the best of days and you know who know who knows i mean she's been out there in the public eye saying some pretty wacky shit sometimes and you know who knows what he's been dealing with or how he is with her i mean you never know what goes on behind closed doors so i mean the fact that she's smoking hot there's plenty of smoking hot women out there that after you know uh, five minutes of talking to them you run the other direction and play smoking hot guys that are the same way so you know it's that's just how it is i i don't care if she's hot i mean that's awesome but that has nothing to do with them making it work as a couple that's very true that's very true and it is what famous words it is what it is in other entertainment news i had the opportunity to actually interview jeremy your good friend sean canaan uh and the Uh, the man it was it was an incredible interview we talked a little bit about uh a little bit about his uh, his amazon series studio city which is an amazing series uh we talked a little bit about 
about whether or not he will be again the subject came back again whether or not he's going to be returning to Cobra Kai season three or season four whichever one so we talked a little bit about that and we also got into a very strange topic conversation about his choice of binge watching uh, documentaries about serial killers and things like that it's a it's an awesome interview and uh, that's coming up next but first here is BT and Do Browns it's on me right here Yo. on the Xander Fact. <laughs> I be tell I tell Yeah, you did. They ain't believe it though. <laughs> <laughs> One life. Dude Brown. Same game, be telling. What up? Kick it like it's kickball. Power couple. She dripping in that they'll say goodbye. They wanna touch her. Everybody know that's do girl. What she gonna do by me and her take on the world? Now that's a true rider. And she be on single. Y'all in her own class. Hella book smart. I be grabbing on a real life. Since it's on me, I'ma put it on you. Sipping on the best of the best. We playing taboo. Care City 305. I'm a dirty baby. Help you with your homework. Now we getting dirty, baby. Drinking dirty slippery, baby. Got a nigga tiptoeing. Cause I made the right moves. Got a she be in my lap snoring, I should call you FaceTime But I got respect for her, I'ma spy your face now I never poke a big dog, we be hella outside Never have a side to chew, cause it's only one side Step right up to the VIP Yeah, the IP, V, V, I, P again uh actor and author sean kanan right here sean how you doing man welcome back to the xander effect 
Hey, brother, it's great to be back with you. I had a blast the first time. Thanks so much for uh, the return visit. No, for sure, man. I mean, it's it's been it's been a while. Unfortunately, I have to interview under these crazy pandemic circumstances. I would have wanted to interview you in person. How you been with all this craziness that's going on right now, man? You know, listen, all things being equal, uh, my wife and I have been really fortunate. We don't have anyone uh, that's, that's sick. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just trying to stay as productive as we can and get things done. So um, we're, we're doing pretty well. Thank you. I hope you're, you're doing well too, I hope. Surviving as much as possible, trying to stay safe yeah. as possible. Same, right? <laughs> it's God, nuts. Yeah. How many shows, how many shows can you, listen, I have watched every single documentary on ser- serial killers of this. If anyone ever goes through, like if I die and they go through anything, they're not going to find like kitty porn or anything. They're going to find like, like this guy watched a hundred serial killer documentaries. What's wrong with them? So this is me telling you and all your audience that you have to come to my defense if somehow, you know, my demise arrives and they're like, God, you didn't know this guy was a, he was planning to be a serial killer. <laughs> Man, and the crazy thing is, my wife, my wife likes him too. I mean, what, what's wrong with us? Hey, you're match made in heaven. There you go. There's, there's your answer right there. You know. But dude, here's the thing. It's like Charles Manson's dead, and at any time he's got like seven things running on, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime. The guy's dead. He's got a better career than I do. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, he, he, you know, it's always, they always love the bad guy. What can you say? You know? Uh, yeah. He, he, he definitely took that to a new level. Oh yeah. Completely. Well, man, I got to tell right. you, I got, I got to congratulate you on your success of your Amazon series studio city, man. I mean, you guys got nominated for 11, uh, independent awards. I, I saw that. 12, 12. Wow. Well, we got nominated for 12 and we got nominated for eight, uh, eight, 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 eight. Wow. Man, that's that's amazing. That's incredible. How I know that you actually went to uh, one of the indie awards and it was all done, you know, via via, I guess, Skype or Zoom or however it was. How was that like for you? What? I was actually the host. So oh, wow. Was, um, yeah, I was the host. So, you know, I did a monologue and the whole thing. You know, it, listen, it, we did the absolute best that we could do. I mean, it was, it was you know, this, this is kind of a new, uh, new frontier with doing these award shows like this. So, you know, there were a few technical glitches, um, but for the most part, it was really great. And uh, for me, the evening capped off. Uh, I won for best actor. I had no idea that I was going to win. It was really exciting. I was totally caught off guard. Um, so wow. it, it, it was it was a it was an exciting evening. Congratulations, man! I mean, I, I I actually watched all the episodes that you have for the first season. They're they're very they're extremely short. I like the format that you have because you leave the audience wanting to know more. They're like eight, between eight and seventeen minutes long. Long, but that you like cram up so much information in those eight to 17 minutes that you're like, you're left with like, okay, what's going to happen next? And what's going to happen next? And I got to tell you the series, <laughs> I mean, is it, is it art imitating life or <laughs> how's that? Like, how is that? Cause well, I mean, obviously yeah. you're a former soap opera actor and this show is about a current soap opera actor trying right. to, you know, keep his career going. Right. Uh, well, you know, they say right what you know. I mean, I've worked in daytime television off and on for 30 years and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to show, I wanted to show that would 
let people know what it's like to be an actor on a soap opera. And, you know, I think a lot of times people, you look at this character and you say, wow, this guy's on TV and he's working with beautiful women and he probably makes a lot of money. As, as you're watching it, initially, he might not be that likable. And then the, the, the onion skin begins to peel back. Mm-hmm. And you see that he deals with so many problems and insecurities. And, you know, he's no longer the young buck of the show. He's getting older. His contract's up. Uh, his, his, his monster of a producer hires a kind of younger, better-looking version of him uh-huh. to dip in his heels. He's got a gold-digger girlfriend. He's got, you know, he's, he's got a, a stage mom at his age. And, you know, he's a guy that always thought he should have had a bigger career in his mind. He should have been an action star. And there's a moment where the producer says, she says, Sammy, do I just have to say it? You're just too old. Yeah. And, and, you know, the guy is kind of always looking for more and more comes in the form of a person that he never knew existed at the end of the, the first episode. And it completely upends his life and makes him, you know, start to start to reexamine everything. Um, you know, it's it's a show that uh, it's a drama, but there's definitely moments you're going to laugh. And we deal with some pretty, um, you know, some pretty significant social issues we deal with uh me too we deal with ages and we deal with lgbtq uh, i saw that lgbtq yeah you know scott turner Schofield, who is uh he made history on our show and our show made history as the first trans male actor to be nominated for uh, an emmy and we're the first show to have him so that's that's a great and you know we do all of this without beating you over the head because i mean nobody wants to be lectured to at the end of the day people watch stuff to be entertained and it is entertaining but you know, we 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 deal with some stuff that's I think timely and now, and that's something we definitely want to continue doing. No, and that's for sure. And I I wanted to ask. I, I think I I wanted to ask you this the last time we were talking, uh, that you were on the show, is that wh- why what was the purpose of coming up with this particular concept? Well, this is something that I, I've, I've always wanted to do. I mean, I've, I've been involved in writing and producing for a long time. This is a show that I've been trying to get made for well over a decade in various different incarnations um, and through the right series of circumstance and relationship, uh, I was finally able to get it made. Uh, but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to create and play a character that was really very close to kind of who I am as a guy, and, you know, kind of what my experience has been. A lot of the stuff that my character Sam goes through is not necessarily something that I've gone through personally, but, uh, you know, a lot of the events are an amalgamation of people I know, things that I may have experience um, and uh, you know I, I wanted to do something that was really going to allow me to play something as kind of truthful as possible and uh, you know uh, as they say the kids seem to like it <laughs> well I actually I, I really enjoyed it and you know I mean I, there was there was this one uh, the, one of the episodes where Sam is diagnosed with a terminal illness um, and, and no, not, 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 not Sam not Sam or, well, oh, oh you mean oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh, his character. No, no, his I'm, character is within. Yes, because yeah. there's another. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. His, yeah, his my, character, my, Doctor, is, is Doctor Pierce. I, I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, his character, Doctor Pierce, gets diagnosed on the show with uh, terminal illness. Now, I gotta ask because he looks directly at the camera and he's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> with 
this now has this, this, is, this uh, is, you know this is bullshit yeah you know this uh, yeah. is bullshit that's, so, like, that's the last slide so has that actually happened in your in your career where either you know like uh, a co-worker is pissed that his character is getting killed off or with a terminal illness I mean has that ever happened I mean is that derived from an experience that you had in the past yeah I mean yeah I mean okay first of all so my character is in these contract negotiations and is really holding firm and out of the blue the producer has the writers give him cancer uh-huh. okay and which, which of course you know can go either way right you can get uh-huh. better or you can you can smart you know, or, 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 or it's, it could be a misdiagnosis right yeah okay yeah. so three, you, know, you never want to be in a desert island you never want to get a terminal disease uh-huh. and you know, you know there's like a couple things in daytime you don't want so yeah you know I mean a lot of times when an actor is, is being let go of a show they have to work another couple of weeks with them knowing it and everybody knowing it it's uncomfortable and it's embarrassing and it's frustrating and I remember one time um, an actress I won't say her name but she got let go but had to finish and she wore a shirt for two weeks that said axe and she was really thought and I mean yeah, I've had storylines that I thought were bullshit and um, well I haven't turned to the camera and said this is bullshit because my job is to sometimes take stuff that is you know not necessarily um uh, Proust and uh, uh, you know elevate it to to being as, as good as it can be. Um, yeah, there have been times that I've definitely been resentful of the stories that I've been given and didn't want to play, and you know probably made a couple snarky comments comments here and there. But um, my character Sam has the power on the show and the liberty of not being Sean Kanan, but being a character that he's able to say some of the things that I, I'm not able to say sometimes. <laughs> So it's like I'm I'm finally free. I can say something, but not so much. Right, right, right. Yeah, I I laughed when I saw that. I was like, wow, this is actually very intelligent. How producers kind of pigeonhole the 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 actor, you know, and kind of tell them, well, you know what? Either you play ball or you're dead. <laughs> One of the two. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's absolutely true. It happens, you know. Um, you know, if you're if you have a really good situation on a show and a good relationship with the the writers and creator, there are times an actor can, you know, give some input and 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 discuss some story. But you know, generally speaking, you're you're playing the story you're given, and you're not always given stories that necessarily support your character or put them in, in the best, most light as you see it. It's there to serve the overall kind of palette of the show, so to speak. Um, so yeah, it happens. Man, and I gotta tell you, like like I said, you know, the all, every episode is very interesting, uh, but two of them stand out. We'll talk about the first one, which is episode three. That one's mainly focused on the issues that uh, the LGBTQ community uh, face with uh, rejection and the industry suicide galore that entire episode was mainly focused on that and was that was that the whole point of that episode for it to be focused solely on the lgbtq community well you know look here's the thing the the challenge with doing a digital series uh where the episodes tend to be more truncated than they are on network television or on let's say a full uh you know, 30 minute show, um, you've got to introduce the audience very quickly to characters that they've never seen before, especially if it's a new show, right? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, if you're trying to, um, you know, if, if you're trying to introduce a storyline, especially one that's got really, you know, some, some heavy topic matter, it's, it's, it's now, it's, it's socially relevant. Um, I, I wanted to give it the time so that it would be treated with the respect that I felt that it, it needed. And, and in doing that, you know, sometimes you, you know, you, you pass the ball to another player and those episodes were really every bit as much about, you know, Scott Turner Schofield's character, uh, Dr. Brantley, uh, uh, you know, as they were about me. And, I, and he just did an outstanding job with it. He did. Uh, Scott was nominated, Scott was nominated uh, for both um, an Indie Series Award and for uh, a Daytime Emmy. So it was a very exciting award season for Scott as well. No, he did an incredible job. And uh, it was a very, very uh, sad episode. Um, and, you know, I got to tell you, it was it, it, it was very it, it dealt with social issues, like real, real issues that they go through that the community that that community particularly uh, goes through on a daily basis. And it's so depressing. It's so sad to see, you know, you know the treatment it, that they get. You know, here's the thing. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, the, the, the rate of trans people that are uh, victimized, especially, especially, you know, uh, black trans people, it's, it's horrendous. And you definitely can get caught up in the sadness of all of that. But I, I choose to look at how brave and, and what a pioneer a guy like, you know, Scott Turner Schofield is. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, look at sort of the, the positive, inspiring part of this, some of the stories. No, and without a shadow of a doubt. And going back really quick to uh, what you mentioned about how these, you know, episodes have been, uh, you know, very short, very uh, compartmentalized. Um, did you mean for these episodes to be this short or it, was this just a stepping stone for the shows to be a lot longer, uh, you know, in the coming seasons? Well, that's something we're discussing right now. Um, there are certain advantages to uh, to this um, this format. Mm-hmm. Um, we're discussing the possibility of going to a longer one, but you know, at the at the end of the day, we you know we had a finite amount of resources, as do most uh, most independently produced projects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't have the uh, you know the deep pockets of a studio or the you know, Netflix or something like that. So we decided that this would best allow us to tell the stories we wanted to tell, introduce the characters, and give the audience a really great taste of what the show is about uh, and still, you know, conform to, to the resources we have. Do you prefer, do you prefer this, for, like, would you prefer to keep this format or given the opportunity, would you want the longer format? Because it seems like this format's working great. To be honest with you, I mean, obviously, yeah, I, you know, words speak for themselves. I, you know, I gotta tell you, I got mixed feelings about it. There's, there's a lot about this format that I really like. I mean, because it just is like a bullet train, you know. I mean, there's absolutely no room for anything that is not um, really driving the plot, and and you know. Uh, 
it's an exciting way to work. Um, the other part of me is, God, wouldn't it be great to have a more expanded format to, you know, bring in more characters, have longer scenes, blah, blah, blah. But so, I don't know. So that's all stuff that we're discussing right now. And what I know, I will let everyone else know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. We'll look forward to that. Right. Now, go, I, yeah. like I said, I wanted to talk about two episodes. Episode three was one. Then there's the final episode of this series. My yeah. God, the emotion. Well, not the series. Of the first season. Excuse me. Yeah. Of the first season. Man, talk about incredibly emotional. Patricia Darbo does an incredible yeah. job. I mean, I was, I, I've met her. Wonderful, wonderful person. I, I, you know, I think Patricia is just a funny, sweet, incredible human being you know she's an incredible person she plays your on-screen mother violet on the series and my god what what was going through your mind when you did that scene with her where she's basically confessing how who your father your real father was and and just the emotion that was in that was just so so impactful because this happens in this happened in real life you know back in the in those days that you know young starlets well, I mean, listen to not not even back in those days. I mean, look at Harvey Weinstein. Correct. Yes, you're right. It's happening today. You know, it's, it's, you know. It's, it's something that's very timely. And you know, look, it was uh, Patricia nailed it. She killed the, that monologue. Uh, she killed it the first time. We did it a couple times, but she killed it. And really, you know, I, I just had to listen. It was so heartbreaking that it allowed me to do what I needed to do as an actor. I and mean, it's her scene. She killed it. And you know, Patricia and I always thought. I always say, Patricia and I have worked on more things together. Count, starting back on a show called Step by Step with Susan yeah, Summers. I remember Step by Step like decades ago. Yep. And, and so Patrick and I, Patrick and I have done. We did a rap video together. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever seen it. We did a really funny rap video called uh, uh, "I'm a Soap Star." And if you haven't seen it, uh, Google it. It's really funny. Nice. Um, it's it's totally tongue in cheek. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, we've done a couple <laughs> films together. So Patrick is kind of like my go-to person that I always um, you know contact whenever I have a project because I just know she's gonna she's gonna bring it home. Man, and and like I said, that that scene, you know, I just, I mean, it, you can see it in your eyes, you know, when you're when you're when you're yeah. looking at her, that you're just enthralled by what she's right. saying, what she's doing. You're completely, you know, you completely immerse yourself into listening to what she's having to say, and that's just, I gotta tell you again, incredible show, Studio City. You guys, if you haven't hey, seen it, so go check it out on Amazon, and. And now I got to now now we got to go ahead and address a couple of other things that are going on right now. Obviously, uh, let's sure. switch, let's switch lanes here to Cobra Kai being bought by <laughs> Netflix season three. I yeah. know you've gotten this question a bunch of times, and and last time we talked, it was back in February. But see, the thing is, Sean. I mean, I'm stalking you on social media. I see you posting some Mike Barnes things here and there. I see you kind of doing like yeah. some some you know posting some pictures of you doing some martial arts i mean are you teasing us here i mean is mike barnes because there's rumors there's rumors there's rumors that mike barnes might come back at the ends of season three so how true are those rumors I don't, you know, you never know. I, I, listen, I, I can't, I can't confirm or deny. Um, you know, the uh, uh, as far as my training goes, 
I've been training is something that I, I do. Correct. Yes. Anyway, so but it's been really cool. I've been training with Daryl Vidal, uh, you know, who, who was in the uh, uh, big final tournament in, in the Karate Kid. He fought John Lawrence. Remember, he's the the Filipino yes. kid that does all the fancy kicks. Yeah. So I've been training with uh, Daryl. He's just spectacular. I love working with him. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, you know I'm just, I'm just just keeping myself ready in case I got to dust off the gear and get off the bench. We'll see. Oh man, I'd love to see Mike Barnes come out like last time we spoke. Yeah. You know, come out to be like with the with the puka shells and everything, and him just <laughs> right, working stocks, like so like hemp shirt. I would laugh so hard if I saw. I that love that, right? I think it'd be awesome. I mean, I'm just I'm looking forward to season three. Have you watched? You've watched the shows, right? So far, have you you've watched all of them? Oh yeah, Abs- yeah. absolutely. Man, what do you think of that insane yeah. fight scene at you know in the in it's the Goal? Yeah, that was nuts. You know, I thought that was incredible. I was like half expecting like like it was going to culminate with a dance number. To start. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the choreography for that was fantastic. I was you know, just out. Uh, I, I was in shock. I was like, I have never in my life seen a riot style fight like that in right? my entire life at school ever. Yeah, no, that was that yeah. was insane. But well, I mean, besides besides Cobra Kai, you know, obviously, you you know, you can neither confirm nor deny. So we'll leave it at that. We'll we'll leave it to everybody else's imagination at this point. I mean, other than that, you know, uh, so you have Studio City. Are you working on any new projects? Because obviously Studio City has become a huge success. Um, I mean, yeah. are you going to be working on any other projects right now, especially with the pandemic i mean you know what else do we have to do at this point you know but I mean, you know it's uh I, I i may be doing a film next month i'm waiting to see because there's uh, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of protocol that goes with it now so i would have to go travel and then quarantine for two weeks and waiting to see if we can work that out um um you know, I have a, a, a film that just came out on, I think it came out on Showtime. It's called uh, Beyond the Law with Steven Seagal and uh, DMX that just came out uh, about a month and a half ago. But, you know, there's just such limited production right yeah. now that um, I'm just sort of pouring all of my energy into seeing uh, what's coming next with uh, Studio City. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's 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 about it. I'm, like I said, I'm working on some other uh, literary projects. And you're just trying to stay as busy as I can in what has become a really unfortunately constricted um, work environment. Not only that, I mean, I, w- I was also wondering, besides uh, Studio City, are you planning on creating any new uh, TV shows or are you writing a, any scripts for any new movies, anything like you know, that like to talk about? My wife has a really exciting show that she uh, has in development right now and uh, I'll probably be working as an actor on that. It's a, it's a terrific, terrific show. Uh, so no, I'm not working on anything new, but my wife, who is uh, one of the writers, and Michelle won the Indie Series Award for writing on our show, nice. uh, she's got an exciting show that I'm involved with indirectly as, a, as a, an actor. Awesome. I've got something going on. you got to keep man. something going on. No. you got, you got to keep yourself fresh at all times. Dude, if not, I'm just going to, like, you know, stay in my boxers and watch, uh, you know, more serial killer uh, documentaries. <laughs> 
documentaries. I've already watched on. And, uh, you know, I'm just waiting for next Netflix to put out some new ones. Man, I watched, I got I, I didn't watch the documentary, but I watched that one with Zac Efron. The, uh, oh, yeah, the Ted Bundy uh, uh, one? Uh, yeah, it's got a, a funny title. What is it? Uh, it's what the judge said to Ted Bundy. Ted yeah, Bundy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, but there was that one. And then there was the one of a New England uh, football player. Uh, uh, Tony, uh, what is it? Tony Hernandez, I think it was his. Yeah, that was that, nuts. That was insane. I, I mean, saw that one. I was like, wow. I mean, he I mean, was just uh, wow. Talk yeah, about a sociopath. Talk about a sociopath all the way. Like the guy yeah. had no remorse. He had no like no feeling whatsoever. He was lying all the way through. He didn't stop lying. And it was just insane. I mean, I saw, I saw, um, I remember they interviewed one football player that got that, uh, he actually, uh, he chucked into the stand, into the sideline. And I remember him saying that he actually, Tony Hernandez actually, uh, stood over him. And he said, if you do that, if you do that shit with me again, man, I'm going to effing kill you. And then he get, wow. and, then he sees, and then he sees him on on the news, and he's like, "Man, I, I don't know if he was serious or if it was just the heat of the moment." Now, like, I'm not I think sure. it's serious. I mean, you know, look, they, uh, you know, they also say that a lot of it was um, not a lot. Of it. I'm not making excuses for this guy, yeah, at all. I, I'm, I'm thinking out loud that you know mm-hmm. the, the the repeated concussions, yeah, and, the brain injuries, like that. I mean, you know, you know, there is a reality that you know you have certain brain injuries. Mm-hmm. In, dramatically affects your your ability to express empathy, you know, makes you have impulse control and hyper aggressivity and things like that. I, I wonder if any of that was a contributing factor. It, he may just have been a, you know, piece of shit. I mean, because, I, don't know, but. I mean, his childhood wasn't the best in the world because I mean, his father was like, like was a, like was a, he abused him, physically abused him, you know, physically yeah. abused him and his, and his siblings. So, I mean, obviously there's had to have been something that stemmed from that as well. You know, I mean, from what, from what I, I, of of course, absolutely. But you know, there are a lot of people that have crummy childhoods that are abused and they don't grow up to do that stuff. So, um, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. I I was telling you about watching these uh, documentaries and they say that they think, and when I say they, it's, 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 you know, neurologists and, and, and sociologists and psychologists, they, they think that people basically are born with, with psychopathy. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that it's not like, hey, you take a sweet kid, you beat the crap out of him, you sexually abuse him, you throw him in a, you know, a basement for 23 hours a day, he's going to be a psychopath. They, they think that there is a genetic predisposition and differentiation in, in uh, the brain chemistry, and then it's an outside external um, catalyst, which probably, you know, puts it into effect. I, I don't know. I mean, that's just you know what I'm what I'm grasping from all this. Well, I mean, as a martial artist and as a person who has, I mean, you've taught martial arts. Have you ever faced, uh, you know? somebody in that situation where you see this person, this kid, a young person that obviously has major anger issues or can possibly use what you teach as a way to uh, harm somebody. Have you ever faced anything like that? 
you know, I, I think a lot of times when you see new students, um, you get kids initially that might be like that. And hopefully through the discipline and through the camaraderie and through the philosophy of martial arts, um, that dissipates. Um, I think if it doesn't, um, they they tend to have a difficult time integrating into a school and they either wind up leaving or, you know, the sensei is smart enough to recognize that this is not somebody who should be taught this stuff. Um, I, I haven't personally, but here's the thing. Um, uh, well, I, actually, I mean, I, you know, I, I have, let's just say this, I've known teachers that I've worked with that wound up being the kind of guys that got in a lot of fights, got into criminal trouble, mm-hmm. um, and wound up not using karate for what it's meant to be used for. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I, it does happen. Um, but I, I would certainly keep my eye out for it to, to try and do my part to learn it. And if you, and if you uh, were to face, you know, a kid that was like that, I mean, what would, what would you, what would, how would you approach a situation such as that? Like with a troubled youth like that? You know, how I would approach it now as a 53 year old man, as opposed to, you know, how I maybe would have approached it as a, as a much younger guy, um, you know, in, in a karate school, uh, teaching sometimes, uh, is different. You know, I, uh, I do a lot of outreach work with bullying. Mm-hmm. I have a better understanding of what bullying is about, where some of that kind of behavior comes from, mm-hmm. then, you know, some, sometimes a kid who's, who's a bully winds up being a kid who has been bullied by, you know, other kids or abused by a parent. Um, I would try my best to reach out and talk to them. Uh, but, you know, there, there is a stark reality that there's some bad machines out there. True. And, uh, you know, there are some, some you know, you, you look at the news. I mean, there's this, like, again, I go back to like, like crazy documentaries, but there's this one about these two, I think they're like these two 10-year-old boys, and they, they killed a younger classmate. And wow. the basic the basic upshot from the um, professionals was these kids are bad machines. You know, wow. they're going to become bigger and stronger bad machines, mm-hmm. but they're not probably going to become better machines. And, and you know, there's this whole, I remember I saw an episode of... Um, it was SVU or something like that, mm-hmm. or one of those 97 spinoffs that they have. Mm-hmm. And they they had a kid, and I think he killed somebody, and they were trying like hell to get him incarcerated for a really long time, which they couldn't do because he was a kid, because he had every single predictor of turning out to be a monster. And, and there was a moment at the end where he gets, he, he's done with the trial, and he just kind of looks back and smiles. And it's like anybody who's seen the original Omen, it looked like Damien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, wow. so, yeah. That's yeah. scary because I've actually, I've actually seen, um, you know, I've seen on YouTube. On YouTube, they always have yeah. like these uh, compilations of trials of murders of young kids. And there's a couple of them that's yeah. really, they're really freaky. You could say, you could see in their yeah. eyes that the, the, the sadistic look in their face is so freaky. Like, well, you know, they, 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 they have that, they have that triangle uh, that's where they can sort of 
predetermined that somebody is predisposed to that. And it's, it's three things. It's cruelty towards animals. It's bedwetting. And it's, it's a desire to start fires. And you look back at some of the big serial killers, and they all had those two, if not three, of those predictors. And so now, um, so now when uh, when a child is violently cruel to an animal, they catalog that shit. They have to. Yeah, they they have to because I mean, I mean, it's not normal. You know, it's, it might be normal, like when you're a kid to, you know, I you remember dissecting stuff in biology class, mm-hmm. and they, 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 I hated doing that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it either. But but it's a whole other deal when you're like, you know, you know that guy Ed Kemper, who you know killed this cat and cut its head off and put it on a stick, and it's like, yeah, that, that ain't normal. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and they all did, they all they all did that sort of stuff. And so if, if they do think that, from what I've seen, I'm certainly no expert, um, if, if they can intercede early enough, even with somebody that has those predictors, that it's possible that it won't manifest. But it's somebody that you've got to get into therapy stat. You've got to like make sure they're in like a good home situation and not exacerbating it by having any of the external, um, you know, gasoline factors that would ignite fire. Like start training, them, start training them from a very young age to, you know, yeah. be a good person. To be a good person, to feel, you know, I mean, I mean, they may have limited capacities to feel empathy and things like that, but, you know, it's amazing how a lot of these psychopaths do know, they know, they know right from wrong. Oh yeah, they they absolutely know right from wrong. Um, you know, they just uh, and, and it, it's it's interesting because you you look at a lot of people that are CEOs, a lot of people, not a lot of people. There's a let me rephrase that. There is a there is a subsection fractionally of CEOs, even presidents, um, surgeons, a lot of people that have a lot of power that that psychopathy appears. Uh, in their personalities and they have this test where it's 30 questions and there's there's uh, there's there's gradients you know there's people who have you know 10 or 15 characteristics of psychopathy and then there's some that you you watch on these shows that are in jail that have 27 28 29 30 um but a lot of ones a lot of ones that are you know that have got multiple characteristics do function normally um and some of them even ascend to great success because there are characteristics of psychopathy that would allow you to become very successful especially if you're able to temper them with positive qualities i don't know the whole thing fascinates me wow it's it's not i'm I'm listening i'm listening it's a rabbit hole right it's a fucking cool rabbit hole yeah no it's interesting like i'm listening i'm like i'm like i'm digging it man i'm digging it because it's like yeah. it's crazy to, to that this is real this is reality that's what's even yeah. scarier that this is actually real i mean there's Whoa. there's people out there that can act completely normal but they're yeah. psychos well you know yeah yeah but you know, you know something truthfully though if you know what to look for you can start to spot them and, and it doesn't mean if if you know somebody that's got two or three of these characteristics they're a psycho. It's, it's, it's not that. But, you know, you start to look at somebody who's like, like verbally very glib. 
that that is very charming, but without making any kind of meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, is using it just they, for the moment. This, they showed that, yeah, they showed this one thing. It was really interesting. They were showing what a psychopath in the workplace might look like, and you see a guy that is on the same level as other workers. But when, say, the vice president of the company comes, they'll make sure they go up and talk to them. And it's not about what he's necessarily saying to the vice president. It's about his other co-employees seeing him speak to the vice president, thinking he's somehow in the know. And then it makes it easier for that person to gain information from his co-workers because they think that he's either being groomed for a promotion or he must have some inside information. And they begin to use that information they're given so repetitiously to start playing, you know, mind chess. Jesus, that's insane. Right? <laughs> yeah. Scary. It's, it's scary because I've actually seen, you know, a couple of people in my lifetime that have been that way. And I usually am just, oh, yeah. who's this who's this ass right here, dude? What's this person trying to pull right here? But, you know, when you start explaining it like that, I'm like, hmm, maybe they were trying to do something like that. I mean, I mean if, you, if, you, if you want to just trip out, just like Google, uh, Google the, the, the 30 question psychopathy test. Take it yourself. That's really interesting, too. Yeah, right. I, you know, I took, I, no, I, I, I took it. I mean, I fortunately... You know, I'm clearly not a psychopath. You just play one on TV. I just play one on TV. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. And you, you're, you'll definitely recognize some characteristics in other people or maybe yourself. But, it, you know, like I said, a couple of characteristics a psychopath does not make. But, you know, you start seeing like 10, 12. <laughs> maybe it's something wow. you don't want to, you know, you don't want to interact with. I go ahead. I go ahead and. And I take the test. I'm like, oh my god, I'm a psychopath. I need to be committed right now. What am I doing in society? Right. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Okay, wait, you just proved my point. <laughs> Psychopathy checklist, right? Okay. Superficial. A lot of people are superficial, right? True. Grandiose. Deceitful. Lacks remorse. Lacks empathy. Does not accept responsibility. Impulsive. Poor behavioral controls. Lacks goals. Irresponsible, adolescent social behavior, uh, adult antisocial behavior, and listen, you know, it, it, yeah, listen. Anyone who's gone to Vegas has exhibited, you know, uh, <laughs> adult. True, true. Are you, you know, are you exhibiting a bunch of these things like at the same time? And you know, the criminal versatility, versatility, um, uh, juvenile delinquency, short-term marital relationships. It's interesting. I like to watch the things in prison too. I think we like to watch things that we think are, you know, a world that we hopefully will never be in, with which we'll never be involved. You know, so that's why I think it's interesting to watch, you know, these, you know, the prison show. I mean, look, I'm yeah, not like, alone, obviously, because they're making documentaries yeah. by the dozens and there's, you know, documentary shows and there's cops and all this stuff. It's it's just, it's, it's interesting. No, and you're right, Matt, because I actually, I actually watch on Netflix every, from time to time is uh, World's Most Dangerous Prisons. That show got that, that show See got, everyone. Yeah, that show got me, man. I liked it better when they changed the host. They had one host. Yeah. And they got 
got the guy that was actually in prison for 12 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that show. No, that shows, that show that's insane. Like I, I saw, I saw, I saw some of the episodes. I actually still have to finish watching the rest of them, but yeah, that one and scared straight is another one that, that kind of uh, gets me too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I like locked up abroad. I like that one. I haven't seen that one. I got to check that one out. Oh my God. So locked up abroad is just basically like people that have smuggled stuff or gotten kidnapped or whatever. And they, they find themselves locked up in a foreign prison. And it's, it's crazy. And I have a really dear friend, um, who wound up in on death row in Pakistan. Oh my God. And he was a 23 year old kid. Um, long story. Anyway, um, Nat Geo, did a locked up abroad about him. He played it. He played himself. Played himself. Oh my god! And um, did he survive? He, he I mean, did he survive the death row? They told him. They said, "If you admit you're guilty, we'll let you out." He said, "Fuck you!" And he said, "I'm not. I'm not admitting it." Um, he basically had been smuggling leather for a guy, and then 9/11 happened, and they asked him to go to Pakistan. He was like, "Look, I don't think I want to do this." But like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So you just take leather over there. This is a guy, mind you, just to preface this, he has never drank alcohol and never, never done drugs. So he gets over there and it turns out, unbeknownst to him, hidden in his suitcase is opium. Oh so they give him God. the death penalty because he's an American. And uh, he winds up and he's in there with all sorts of terrible terrorists and this and that. Um, but this guy's a bruiser, man. And, and you know, in the Pakistani jail, they're, they're kind of little guys. Yeah. They're like three little guys will kick your ass. But yeah. he was like just kicking ass. He was tortured. Anyway, long story short, he learns Urdu, which is the, the Pakistani language. Uh-huh. He winds up, his mother, his mother's a casting director. And uh, um, she speaks to a senator. They intercede. He winds up getting out. Oh. So he winds up, he winds up catfishing this dude that sent him, pretending that he was a female. Uh, and yeah. uh, he gets the guy to like meet him at Denny's under the pretense that it's a girl who's going to meet him. And he sees him in the parking lot and just beats the living shit out of him as he should have. Yeah. He was on death row for four years. Yeah, because yeah, he got him in freaking, he got him almost killed. I mean, come on. And he got yeah. him, yeah. not only did he get him killed, he had him put in prison in a place where oh, they tortured. love Americans. They love us over oh, yeah. there, you know. Oh, so oh, they, yeah. that, they, that was like, you know, that was like throwing prime rib in front of a lion's den. I yeah. mean, you know, he got shot. Yeah. If you, I'll tell you what, if, if you if you get a chance, Google locked up abroad and his episode. I I'll, I'll find out what it was called. But if, if you're if you're uh, if you're ever interested, I can get him as a, a guest on your show. Oh, I'd love to talk to him. I'd love to talk to him. Uh, that, that's that's uh, crazy. Yeah, I'll, I'll put him in touch uh, with you. He uh, his story was oh here's locked up abroad. So I'm gonna email it to you from Hollywood to hell. It's called. Okay, so I'm gonna send this to you. Um, but but Erwin um, Winkler, who did uh, who did Rocky, optioned his uh, his story, and uh, they never made it. But uh, it, it really, man, it's fascinating, and and you know the fact that he was able to uh, to get through this is, is just insane and it made him a stronger guy and uh, you know you hear like wow like a busted smuggling opium he must have been involved in drug no to this day this guy does not drink this guy does not do drugs Wow, that's crazy! Because they, they actually they actually uh, did uh, another movie similar to that. Another movie based on a true story. Uh, I think it starred Claire Danes. This is like back 
you know, I think it was back yeah. in, yep. in the early 2000s. Yeah, was where some, something Castle. Something, something like castle. that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, and then there was, what the, and then there was the one with, yeah, and then there was the one with, uh, let me know if you just got that email. Saying, yeah, I just um, got and it. And then also, uh, okay. And then also, it was um, uh, Vince Vaughn and uh, Joaquin Phoenix did one where they both, I think they both get convicted in Thailand, but Vince Vaughn gets out of it and goes home. And they say, if you come back and do four years, we won't execute your friend. Oh, wow. And, so they, gave him, yeah, they kept no, his friend as collateral? <laughs> no, and then, and then like, Anne Hayes is, is Joaquin Phoenix's sister, and he, she starts dating Vince Vaughn, and she does like him, but she's doing it to, like, get him to go do it. And, like, at the end, I don't want to spill the end, but that's a good movie. That's a trippy movie for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, so besides, besides, we went on a completely different tangent here, both those, but it's interesting to talk uh, about these, you know, you know, uh, the, the types sure. of things that, you, that we like and everything. Um, you, you obviously, you know, we know that you have written two books and I mean, what right. do you, like, are you still, are you, do you still continue to write or is, or right now, like, I mean, especially again, yeah. got nothing else to do right now. So <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm working on something uh, really kind of cool right now, which, Uh, uh, I'm not going to say what it's called, but it does tap into my martial arts background and having, you know, the Karate Kid sort of universe, but it's a a self-help sort of philosophy uh, project, and I'm going to have it out hopefully in the next uh, six to eight weeks as an e-book, and uh, believe me, I'll be letting everybody know about it, and uh, I think it's going to be something pretty special. Awesome. I'll be more than happy to go ahead and promote the hell out of it on the Xander Effect. Not a a problem. Sean Keenan, I got to ask one last thing. The thing that I always ask all the time is how can people stalk you on social media? Uh, you can uh, you can come find me on Twitter. It's at Sean Cannon or uh, Instagram. I think it's uh, Sean dot And what? And I know uh, you also uh, Stu- uh, Studio City also has uh, yeah Instagram Studio City. Right? Studio City has an Instagram as well. There's a, there's a website uh, Studio City dot show. Um, yeah, but you know you, you know I DM me. I answer my DMs. If you got a question, answer it. I'll point you in the right direction. Awesome. Well, Sean, thanks again for being on the Xander Effect, man. I mean, I wish you more success on Studio City. I can't wait for the second season. Like, the first season was amazing. Looking forward to second season. Looking forward to all your projects, brother. And I hope to have you on here again to talk about season two. You know you will. (laughs) Uh, Take care of yourself, okay? Likewise, brother. We'll talk soon, man. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Sean Kanan, for being on the Xander Effect. I appreciate, appreciate your time. That was an awesome interview, guys. I mean, Jeremy, he's your friend, dude. I mean, he's an awesome person to interview, man. I absolutely adore that guy. That really was a great interview. And, uh, man, I, as you as you know, he is the ultimate alpha male, and he, he comes off as this very domineering, very macho guy, and he's just about the sweetest, nicest, most generous, you know, person I know. So, yeah, he he's awesome. Incredibly talented too, man. His show is his new show is so fun. Oh, it totally is. It, it most definitely is. I mean, th- I mean, 
mean, the other thing too that uh, this little tidbit of information I didn't even know you told me that he did stand up comedy. Yeah, Sean actually does stand up and he is very good. He's very funny. But that's the only note I ever had for him as I went and saw him, you know, perform and he comes out in his Italian suit and everything. And he is. He has this very intimidating presence. Yeah, and I does. told him, I said, dude, nobody wants to laugh at somebody who looks like they're going to kick their ass. I said, you got to come out. <laughs> you, you, you can't come out looking like a mafioso. You got to come out, you know, a little more personable. But no, he's a great comedian and he's been doing it a long time. Yeah, man. And not only that, but I mean, he's an accomplished author as well. I mean, his books are amazing. I mean, they they definitely, they're definitely top sellers. So, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to having him back on the show again. The thing is, Jeremy, you're so right. If you, if he were, if I were to see him on the street, I would be scared because the guy definitely has that, 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 that look of intimidation. It's like, it's like, dude, you killed the bonsai tree. How dare you? He did. He snapped it in half. Come on. You know, that's when I first met him. They were filming Karate Kid 3 on the Warner Brothers ranch lot where we filmed Growing Pains. Really? That's that's when I first met Sean was all those years ago. Was he with Ralph at the time or did you meet both of them at the time or just Sean? Um, at the, when I actually met Sean that day, he wasn't with Ralph. I'd already met Ralph a bunch of times, but he was somewhere else on set that day. And I was, as usual, just ditching the set school and wandering around the set and um, yeah, ran into him and got to talk a little bit. And, you know, he's a martial artist and I was studying at the time. So we had something to talk about and we just hit it off. Nice, man. No, that's really, like I said, Sean's like a very easygoing guy. He, very, he looks intimidating. The nicest guy in the world, I got to say. I really enjoyed doing that interview. And like I said, hopefully I'll have him uh, on again very soon on the show. So we'll see what happens. In uh, sports, looks like uh, the national anthem NASCAR was stolen from the Cracker Barrel parking lot. <laughs> that headline couldn't be any more perfect. Seriously. I mean, and it's got stolen. It was a it was it was Gustolin in Georgia of all places. I mean there is uh there's a tweet <laughs> there's a tweet uh that uh, MHR ra- racing posted and it says quote truck trailer and various items are set up with various tracking devices if you have seen or know the whereabouts of the stolen items please contact the local authorities 5,000 reward leading to the recovery of all (laughs) I'm sorry I gotta laugh at that well you know I kind of get it because years ago I don't know if you remember when the bob was stolen from Bob's Big Boy in Burbank actually no I don't It got stolen. It was a big deal. That was two of my friends. So one, they were, they were, you know, a little, little drunk one evening and finishing off an evening at Denny's or sorry, at Bob's. And uh, yeah, they just got it into their head that they wanted that in their garage. So I kind of get where this could have happened. But I mean, Bob's is open 24 hours. How do they not see that? 
your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I still wonder because I know they had to use, you know, drills. And I mean, how do you not hear that? <laughs> Seriously, like I, I, that's wow. That going back to this story, uh, the Mark, the Mike Harmon racing team. Basically, the story goes was that they were making their way back uh, to North Carolina from Daytona on Sunday, and they made a stop at Kingsland, Georgia, at the Cracker Barrel there. And, as you do, exactly. Duh. Um, and basically, Fox Forty Six Charlotte reported that uh, a surveillance video showed someone getting into the silver 2000 Ford F350 and they started messing with the ignition before pulling on to I95 south toward Florida <laughs> seriously what? we talk about like obscure news this fits into that too but the way they have it tweeted it almost seems like a lost dog like a lost puppy that's how they have it tweeted <laughs> you know? I mean they had that tweeted on there and I'm just like really are, are you <laughs> I mean it looks like it should be on the side of a milk carton the car the the truck don't get me wrong i love me some cracker barrel but seriously this couldn't have happened anywhere else <laughs> See, dude I, I i have to agree especially it's a nascar car getting stolen that story just couldn't have been placed better it really couldn't have it was it was just amazing so yeah anyways in in other sports news it's almost that time of year again for fantasy football and of course i am ahem, league champion. Thank you very much. Jeremy already knows, you know, I've been telling you guys to kiss the ring. Kiss the ring. Kiss the ring. Enjoy it while you can, baby, because I'm actually drafting my team this year. Yeah, I mean, you keep on that. See that 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 old that old ditty's getting really old. The fact of the matter that oh, I went to auto draft last year. That's why you got half of my team and and our other guy bought the other half and blah blah blah. Who cares? Okay, I mean, a real champion would have been able to still put all pull off a win, but. Guess what? How do you think this is going to affect us? You know, I mean, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, with the uncertainty of the schedule and the players that keep on dropping out that are opting to drop out because of this pandemic, how is this going to affect fantasy football in general? Honestly, it's 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 going to be it's going to be a crapshoot this year. It really is. You yeah, have no idea who's going to be able to stay healthy, who will get quarantined, who's going to be stupid enough to leave the bubble or not behave the way they're supposed to. So now they're in quarantine and are suspended for two Ezekiel weeks. Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> Ezekiel it's it's, it's going to be really interesting. But well, I think. Oh, go ahead. Keep going. No, I was just going to say. I think the the buzzword of the year this year for fantasy football is going to be flexibility. On top of that, you're going to have players opting out. Are there? I mean, that's just a fact. And whether it's a big name or not, you have key parts who are backups, who are, you know, key parts of the line or the defense or whatever that may not be there. I mean, I, I expect we're going to see squads who are not at full strength. I don't know. It, it's it's a tougher call because, as you mentioned, Jeremy, I mean, it all depends on the players that are actually going to behave themselves and stay quarantined. I mean, I mean, yes. I mean, yeah, look at it. We've already seen a bunch of guys, a bunch of the baseball players breaking curfew, sneaking out. I mean, we had the Cleveland Indians situation where, I mean, those two players who snuck out lied to their other players' faces, got on a plane with them the very next day, put them at risk, some of them with family members who are very very susceptible and it's gotten to the point where these players have said if you bring them back to this team I will not play I will opt out 
And that's a fair that's a fair assessment because I mean it's you know they're trying to stay as healthy as possible. This is their livelihood, and it, and I and I get the feeling it's mainly the younger players, the ones that just started. That you know they were like, well, as soon as I make it to the big leagues, I get to party, I get to spend my money, I get to all this stuff. I mean, that's that's what I'm assuming because I mean you have Ezekiel Elliott, fairly younger player, not you know I mean he's been playing for a couple of seasons he went ahead and during like before the season even started when the pandemic began after they told everybody you know stay indoors don't party he was partying up guess what happened he got infected i mean <laughs> take a hint guys it's just it's just so i don't think just, i've ever wanted to be out so much in my life well one thing's for sure uh, i mean it's Still not going to stop us, but yeah, I, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the new season. I'm curious to see the structure of how this season's going to play out. To be perfectly honest, let's let's put to the side real quick me trying to defend my title to become champion once again. Let's put that to the side. Let's focus on the fact of the matter that in the middle of the season, some of these players that we all have drafted could opt out out of nowhere or become. God forbid, ill with the virus. How is that going to screw us all up? It's going to be an interesting year, man. I think it's going to be fun. I think the unpredictability will make for a very interesting and fun season. Um, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we might not even, I mean, there's a distinct possibility a season, you know, a full season doesn't even happen. We could get part, part of the way in and, you know, they could start having issues. I mean, we've already had multiple postponements in Major League Baseball, and these are not guys who are laying on top of each other for most of the game. So, you know, it's it's a possibility. There's a lot of things that could go on. I mean, I, I, I personally feel, you know, just to keep it fair for everybody in our league, that uh, if something happens, I don't know, halfway through, I, I think we should just cancel it and just keep me as champion. It, I mean, what's the harm in that? I mean, really, what is the harm in keeping me champion for another year? I'm just thinking about the betterment of the team, of the league, you know? I mean, just keeping the integrity alive. <laughs> Coming up next in video game news, Jurassic World DLC is released in Minecraft. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first, here is Zakatus Thorazine right here on the Xander Effect.
chase a ghost, trying to find your face. Had some time to think, gotta fade away. Her love, her touch, her ghost, that's the fake and let go. Her cries, can her heart still break if a soul turns hollow? The voice of Aset, you bet! From I, the Somnium Files, and you're listening to The Xander Effect. Ya nada de ti me impresiona, ey. Juegas con todos y los ilusionas, ey. Yeah. Pero conmigo no te va a funcionar, no, no, no Ese jueguito yo me lo inventé, yeah Si quieres jugamos a amarnos Cosamos sin lastimarnos Pero mañana nos olvidamos Y lo repetimos y nos encontramos Saber que yo estoy dispuesto a jugar tu juego. Solo dime si lo tomas, porque si no, hasta luego, baby. Si apareces de la nada y te vas de repente, baby. Solo mírame a la cara y dime qué se siente saber que yo estoy dispuesto a jugar tu juego. Solo dime si lo tomas, porque si no, hasta Corrido y mañana me despido y me llamas cuando sientas que ya no aguanta y quieres conmigo y te saco los semidos pero por favor de mí no te enamores que ya no estoy para un mundo de colores ahora estoy viviendo momentos mejores solo entonces sin compromiso así que no me llores ¿Qué quieres si apareces de la nada y te vas de repente 
right here on the Xander Effect. In video game news, Jurassic World uh, has released a DLC in Minecraft. And dude, Minecraft is already practically taking over the world. This game has been around for years and it's the most popular and played game in the history of video games. I don't know, this, this game is like addicting. Both adults, children, everybody freaking play this game. And now they added a Jurassic World DLC that basically lets players craft and train dinosaurs, build exhibits, and manage the operations of a fun amusement park that pretty much has a bunch of dinosaurs in it. I mean, it includes the Jurassic World Park with locations from the 21 uh, from the films, 21 skins, and over 60 dinosaurs. You could get this uh, this uh, DLC for $7.99. In the Minecraft marketplace. Now, here's the thing: Jurassic World. I mean, I played. Have you played the game on on any of the systems yet? No, I haven't. They have on 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 uh, on Xbox One. They have uh, they they gave us a free uh, game, which is uh, one of like they always do this every month. They give you like uh, two free Xbox One games and one free Xbox 360 game, and you know they're usually games that pretty much are you know low in the price range. And so I actually downloaded the the Jurassic World one because I had friends of mine that were playing it, and it's actually a really interesting concept because it's the same thing. You you have a part. It's almost like The Sims, pretty much, where you build a park and you have uh, scientists that you send out to scour the earth for like DNA of dinosaurs. They come back with that DNA and you start harvesting eggs and they hatch and they become, dino- They become, you know, uh, raptor or brontosaurus, tyrannosaurus. Is, is, that, is that how eggs work? So as I'm saying this, or <laughs> I was rudely interrupted by certain people, um, <laughs> I hate you. Um, 
just want to put that one on there. Uh, yeah, so basically that's how this game goes and you have to maintain each facility. So the fact that Minecraft is doing this, it's just pretty much from in my opinion, they're biting the same thing that uh, that that uh, Jurassic World has already in place. I mean, I think it's a great idea. I mean, even if it is similar or doubling up on what's already there in the original Jurassic World game. I mean, people who are Minecraft fans, that just gives them a whole nother, oh, yeah. you know, a whole nother option, a whole nother venue. I've never been a big Minecraft fan, although my son is, and uh, you know, I'm sure that's something he's going to jump on in about a, two seconds when he sees it. So I, I, I just have never found the appeal to Minecraft. I really haven't. I, I don't understand what, what, the, what the attraction is to this game i mean it's just building blocks i don't know i don't know i, I again i don't know <laughs> but truthfully that's got to be what the designers were going for it's just trying to reach another base you know yeah. there's a there's a major mobile game out there right now one of, i think it's one of the afk arena games or something like that that is doing a crossover with assassin's creed and they're bringing in characters from Assassin's Creed into their battle arena or whatever. <laughs> Jurassic World DLC is out right now, so go ahead and make sure you check that out on all uh, major gaming platforms. That's the news. In case you haven't heard it, wanted to go ahead and thank Jeremy Miller, as always. Thanks for being uh, here with me on the Xander Effect. I hope I never see you again. The feeling's mutual. <laughs> Awesome having you here as always. And, uh, you know, remember to uh, always, we're still in a pandemic right now. So remember to continue to be safe, practice social distancing. Remember to continue to wear your masks. We're all in this together. We're all in one world together. And remember, music always, always heals all. We'll see you next time. Yo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, open them up. Yeah. 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 The Xander Effect is powered by 5050 Global Music Inc., Sony Music The Orchard, and DMG Bertelsmann, in association with Art19 Media.